That's really what I want to speak on today is, is the power of prayer. And prayer is, is so important. I, I believe that it's powerful. I believe that it works. And, and sometimes in life, you know, as Christians, we can, we can just walk through our days and our problems and the life situations and the busyness. And, and at times we don't stop to think, oh, I need, I need to pray about this. I, I need to actually turn to God for this and really turn to him because I believe that the prayer is powerful. Prayer works like it works. That's the testimony of my life. It's only because of prayer that I'm here that I've got through some of the most difficult and trying times in my life and my family's life and my, my loved one's lives. And I've seen healing. I've seen miracles. I've seen restoration. And as I preach today, I'm preaching because I, out of the the excitement of what I've experienced in prayer for you and for your life. Like this is something that you can apply, that you have access to, that you have got the source of, of the same people that we look up to uh, throughout this world. The same, you know, incredible people like Mother Teresa, and Nelson Mandela, and Martin Luther King, and all these great men. We look through scripture. We look at, at, at Moses, and Noah, and Joseph, and David. We all have access to the same God. There's no difference between either man and woman when it comes to their connection and access to God. We've got the same access to Him. So why don't we actually use it? And why don't we actually tap into that? And I want to preach to you on Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6, on the power of prayer. And we're going to be looking at this as a powerful prayer from King David. He was at the time that he was king. And... He was in a time of great need and great trouble. And at this point, he is praying and seeing with spiritual eyes. Last week, I spoke on reignite your vision, having eyes to see where God is calling you to see. And also, prayer is about seeing with spiritual eyes. And and David, he's in this place where it's a powerful prayer because he's speaking with the belief and with the faith and with the truth. And what God has the ability to do before it's even been done. They are the greatest prayers. To believe for miracles when you do not see it. To believe that God would make a way even when I don't feel it. And so in verse 1 he begins, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. Can you see that? He will and I will. He's speaking into his future. He's speaking with faith into his next. He's saying what will come to pass in his dwelling. He will keep me safe. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. God, we thank you. We thank you for 
the access that we have to you through Jesus Christ, your son. And I pray for every single one of us right now. Would you just stir up within us a faith and really a belief in the power of the prayer that we have to you. And I just pray that you will provide for us, that you will give us the confidence and assurance that you're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I said, I truly believe in the power of prayer because I've, I've witnessed the effects, I've experienced the impacts, and I, I believe that the prayer hasn't just got the power to change things or circumstances or environments or events, but prayer has the power to change us. And prayer has the power to change those we pray for. And my, my testimony, my story is that I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for the prayers of my mom. My mom prayed for me every single day. My, my parents became Christians when I was just five years old. And we began going to church and come from the Catholic church into, you know, a Christian Pentecostal church. And, and she began to pray for me. And as I grew up uh, from a young boy into a teenager, I had no interest in God. As my, my parents had started a, a small church in my hometown of Newbridge and Kildare, which is a small town. And, and everybody, if you knew, you know, if back then, it's a little bit like that. If you weren't a Catholic, you're a cult. All right, so if you're not a Catholic, there's something wrong with you. And back then, if you were part of that church, then at that time in my life, 12, 13, 14, the formative years, I was like, I had no interest in church. I had no interest in God. And my mom tried to beat the Bible into me. You know, she would, she would literally bribe me to read the Bible. Like, that, that's, that's no joke. She, she would pay me a fiver just to, like, to read a chapter or read a book in the Bible and would get me up in the morning trying to, trying to just, just because I wasn't interested in it. But she prayed for me every single day. And she prayed for some very specific things. She prayed that, that Jesus would give me a love for, for the Lord and for his church, that, that God would provide a woman who loves Jesus and his church, and that, that God would surround me with friends of faith. And every single prayer has been answered. But it was the days and the times where it looked like those prayers were not going to come to pass. Oftentimes it looked like I was completely on the wrong path with no interest in God and yet she kept believing and kept praying for me. And I've experienced the power of prayer. I just really want to encourage praying parents. I, I, I've got four little babies, small kids. I have not gone through anything. And I know I look out and see some, some parents of young adults and teenagers and, and grown-up adults. And you're still praying for your children. You're still praying and believing for, for things to come to pass and provision and for them to, to turn to the Lord or to really just trust in Him. And I just want to encourage you, keep praying. Even when you don't see it. Even when you don't feel it and experience it, pray over their life. Pray daily. Intercess on behalf of them. Come before the Lord and cry out to Him and say, God, I'm believing. Even when it feels like they're surrounded on every side with everything that would take them away from you, I'm believing that one day they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The power of prayer requires people to be persistent and to persevere. To be patient and to wait on the Lord. The power of prayer has the ability when, when we make it a priority to change everything around us. To 
change everything in us. You see, the power of prayer and what I believe that God is calling us to be a praying house for open arms, to just bring our focus back onto that. And I, and I know at times it's like, oh yeah, I, for, I forgot, you know, or, or I'm, I'm not, I need to have a focus on the word or I need to have a focus on worship or I need to have a focus on prayer and just bring us back. And here's the thing. Not just to be praying prayers about our problems, but to bring ourselves to God to change us. God, I want you to change me, not just change my circumstances. I want you to change my heart, not just provide for me. I, I want you to change me from the inside out. I want you to change my mind. I want you to build me, equip me, and strengthen me. And this is what, this is what prayer is. Prayer is the difference between seeing with our physical eyes and having the ability to see with our spiritual eyes. Prayer is the, the ability to believe in what has not yet come to pass. It is to believe and have faith in the unseen. It, it is to believe that, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see with a new lens. I'm going to see with new eyes, just as David, as he's praying, and says, even then I will be confident. I, I will not be defeated. You will rescue me. He's speaking into his future of what will come to pass even before he has seen it. And through the turmoil and through the tragedy and through the trauma and through the grief and the pain that we have, we say, God, you will protect me. God, you will heal me. God, you are with me. I believe it. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to declare with everything within me that your promises will be fulfilled in my life. The faith may rise within us. And he begins in verse 1. And we're going to walk through this every single verse it begins with the truth that the Lord is the light of my salvation. He's beginning the focus on God. I love beginning every single prayer with thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Before I bring my requests to God, I remind myself of who he is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He's the stronghold or the strength of my life. He is the source of my strength. It says this, that... Whom then shall I fear? The message translation says, With him on my side I am fearless, afraid of nothing and no one. Fear comes in many forms. Fear of the unknown. Fear of rejection. Fear of being alone. Fear of the lack of provision, of poverty, of sickness, and even death. Fear is defined as a dark shadow that imprisons us within ourselves. Fear keeps us imprisoned, isolated, desolate, feeling alone. But the truth of the gospel is that in Jesus, he can become the light of our life and he can dispel the darkness. He can set us free from fear. He can set us free from being prisoners in bondages and, and in chains to what we're facing. Our habits, our mindsets, our patterns, our, the people in our life that have hold over us. Whatever it is that he can break that off us and we can choose Jesus, who's the light of our life. He will be our strength and salvation. He says in verse 2, he says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, the wicked thoughts, the wicked voices, the wicked people, the wicked accusations in our mind, reminding us of our faults and our failures. So when it comes to destroy me, devour me, 
by slandering me and putting me down and keeping me held back. The Apostle Peter described this wicked accuser in 1 Peter 5.8 as like a roaring lion seeking to devour his prey. 1 Peter 5.8. He's like a roaring lion. He is the, the wicked accuser who peddles fear. He's the wicked accuser who reminds us of, of what we've done and who we are and all the wrong things. But the distinct difference here is that he's like a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion. He's the true lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And his roar and the, the shout that he has over our lives declares, It is done. It is finished. In him you are a new creation. Christ has set you free and free indeed. And as you're reminded of your sin and of your shame and of your guilt, as all of us are, on a daily, not hourly basis, we need to remind ourselves of who Jesus says we are and who we are in him. He has set us free and free indeed. In fact, as what David says about the wicked accuser, about the liar, about the enemy, it says that he will stumble and fall. He is a defeated foe. In fact, Jesus Christ says that he is defeated. The accuser, the enemy, the liar, Satan himself, he has been conquered. He's been defeated as Jesus Christ, as he was crucified upon the cross, he conquered sin and death for all time. And as we get ready for Easter, that's what we're celebrating. It is done. We don't need to pray for victory. We need to pray from victory. He is defeated. It is over. The battle is already won. We just need to thank God that it's, it's coming to fruition. This is what should cause our faith to rise. Oftentimes, we need to pray to remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done. Thank you, God, that you've already defeated. We can't lose. We, will, we won't be the ones who stumble and fall. Our enemies will be. Verse 3, it says, though an army besiege me. Surrounds me is a better word to be used there. In verse 3. Though an army besiege me, it feels like I'm surrounded with fear and worry. It feels like I, I'm just surrounded with in my life, my home, my friends and family. It feels like I'm just captive to my surroundings, captive to my environment, captive to what I'm going through and I'm facing. And he says this, he says, my heart will not fear. It may look like I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm defeated. It may look like I'm beaten up and bruised and it feels like attack after attack, wave after wave, battle after battle. But he says, even then I am, I will be confident. Though war break out against me. Though everything comes around me, though it feels like I'm being pulled down and pulled back, even then I will be confident. You see, he's making a decision now for what will happen next. He's making a decision to have faith for his future. He's making a decision that even before it comes to pass, that he would be confidently prepared that what may happen or not happen, he's making a choice that I will be confident in the Lord my God. 
What are you facing right now that you need to make a choice even before what you're praying for comes to pass and comes to fruition, that you'll make a decision to have faith now for your future? Maybe you feel in the place where you just feel surrounded. You, you, we all know that feeling. We use words like overwhelmed, exhausted. Just I feel like I have no options. I feel like I, I don't know what decision to make. It feels like every time I'm coming to God, or it feels like I always have problems. You ever, you ever think like that? It feels like I'm, I'm always coming with issues and requests. And What crisis maybe are you facing? It just feels like a conflict in your mind and in your life. The truth of the gospel is that often it's in the crisis and when we come to the end of ourselves that God cultivates within us a confidence. And then even if I lose everything and even if it doesn't happen and even if I don't see my prayer answered, I will be confident because my confidence is not in my circumstance. My confidence is not in what I face or what is around me. My confidence is in Jesus Christ. It may look like I'm surrounded by my enemy, but in fact, I'm surrounded by Jesus. I'm surrounded by his covering and his protection and his strength in my life. I will be confident. The word that's used here in the Hebrew for confident, it means to feel secure and unconcerned. Can you imagine just feeling secure in the salvation of God that I'm unconcerned. I haven't got to worry. That even when I'm walking through this conflict and this crisis, I'm confident. I will be confident. The message translation says it like this. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. I don't know about you, but that, that's not my reality. <laughs> when all hell breaks loose, you know, on the outside, I can look collected and cool, but on the inside, it just feels like the adrenaline, the cortisol is racing, and I'm trying to figure it out, and my mind is rambling on and rampant, and, you know, it can feel like on the outside, I might be cool, but as my wife would testify on the inside, if something happens, I lash out, and I react, and I leak, and the anger just comes from within me. But Jillian, for God's given her grace, just to say, it's fine, it'll be okay, be cool. We'll get through this. And if we, if we feel like we haven't gone through it before, well, we're going to get through it together. What's God calling you just to be cool? Be calm. Be collected. Be confident. Why is it that always when we get to that place, then something happens? You ever experienced that? When I let my hand off it, it's like God then just, just he makes a way. But yet at the same time, what, what do we try and do? We try and keep our hands on it. We try and make a way. We're praying for our children. We're praying for provision. We're praying for those in our life and we're trying to orchestrate it. We're trying to manipulate it. We're trying to coerce it and make it to happen. Rather than just being collected and cool, when all hell breaks loose, I'm going to be calm because I will be confident. 
I will have confidence in Jesus Christ who already says that it will be so. You know, I was, I was teaching my son Levi a couple of summers ago, and now I'm teaching my, my boy Liam, and I'm going to start teaching my, my other boy Isaac to, how, how to cycle. I don't know if you're a parent, but it's quite a difficult thing to do. Um, how to cycle. We feel like we've mastered it. We've got a hill that's not too far, and we just kind of we got to the place where now we go, go! And then he eventually run out of steam and just fall over. <laughs> but, but Levi, he's a real thinker, you know, just God has given out just a mind to think. He thinks about everything. He asks questions. And, and, and as I get him ready to go, it's just all the way, he's like, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall. Every single time. And what happens? He, he falls. And I just had to stop and say, Levi, what's going to happen when you say, I'm going to fall? He says, I'm going to fall. <laughs> so you, you need to learn to be confident. You need to learn that even if you fall, you know, it's not going to end your life. It's okay. It's going to be sore, maybe, but you're going to be able to get back up again. But if you say instead that I'm going to do this, it's going to be okay. I'm going to get there. I'm going to learn. I may fall, but I'll get back up again. And Eventually, over a million times, they're throwing him down a hill. Eventually, he's able to come to a place where he can cycle, and now he's flying around. It sounds very simple, but what you declare over your life will come to pass. It will. You know, it, it's been taken as a self-help, even a business principle in this world over the last 100, 150 years, but it's a scriptural, biblical principle that if you declare with faith, that it will come to pass when it's according to God's word. All right? Hear me in that. I've many times said, God, I will have a beautiful car outside my home, or I will have my bank account is filled to overflow. No, no that, that's not how it works. God, I believe in your goodness and your grace and your mercy. I believe in your provision according to my needs that I have. God, I pray that you will give me the desires of my heart. God, I believe that you will see this come to pass. You see, when we, we have prayers of faith and believing in confidence... That is what will come to pass. If we declare all the time that I will fail, I am a failure, I have, you know, I'm just filled with shame, regret, guilt, well, that is what we'll experience. But instead, changing our language, changing our voice, changing our prayers to believe and declare God's truth over your lives. As verse 2 and 3 says this, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, because they will, life happens. The battles get bigger, the giants get greater. I will not be full of fear, nor will I fail. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. I will be full of faith that God is with me. Though war break out against me, when all hell is breaking loose, even then I will be confident. I will be calm, cool, and collected. You see, for David in this moment, the conflict was intense. The crisis was intimidating, but his confidence was unmoved. You see, the source of his strength was not found in the situation. It was found in his salvation. It's found in the Lord's rescue. He chose to be confident and pray into his life. And I don't know about you, but I've spent many Years of my life praying to God to help me be. 
God, help me be brave. Help me be strong. Help me be wise. You ever pray those prayers? Help me be. I came to a revelation a number of years ago that I need to stop asking God to help me be and start walking in who I am and who he has created me to be. That, that rather than saying, God, give me, give me, grasp what he's already given me. I will be confident. I will be brave. I will be strong. I will be wise in you and the wisdom according to which you have given me. I will. It's changing. Is that God, you've already given us everything that we need. Rather than as Christians changing our focus and always just praying prayers for God to give me, God, help me to grasp what you've already given me. Help me to take hold of what you've already handed me into my life. Help me to step into the future that you've already paved out and made a way for me. God, help me just to be able to navigate through this life, believing that it's the life that you intend for me. And when trial comes my way, when opposition comes my way, when struggles and and suffering comes my way, God, help me just to continue to lean into you as my strength to declare as he declares in verse 1 that the Lord is my light and my salvation whom then shall I fear he's the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid in verses 1 to 3 we see that he's got this this posture and this focus on God as his deliverer and his rescuer and then in verse 4 he changes and shifts the focus from his troubles in which he will be delivered from and he focuses on God who is his deliverer he takes his focus off the provision that he's praying for and he focuses on the provider in verse 4 he says One thing I ask from the Lord that's only do I seek is one desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. We can see that David's passion is to be in the Lord's presence, to live where he lives, that my home may be his home, that I may dwell with him, live with him. It says this, the next verse, to gaze on the beauty of of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. The focus is on him and not on me. That the the God of my problems is my focus rather than the problems myself. Verse 5 says, For in the day of trouble, the day of crisis, the day of brokenness, the day of loss, when you get that phone call and it feels like it's all changed, when you feel like there's economic depression, it feels like inflation is rising up all around me. It feels like there's just disease and famine and war breaks out. When it feels like me and my internal identity is questioned. In that day of trouble, he says, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will keep me safe. You know, we always pray. The end of our services, may, may the Lord bless you and keep you. He'll keep you safe. Keep you in his dwelling place where he lives. May he reside in you and you in him. That Jesus says that he is is the vine and I am the branches. That I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That we remain in him. That he is our dwelling place. He, He is the temple in which we reside in. 
that the presence of God is living and active in us. And remember, he's, he's, he's writing these words from the perspective of not being delivered. And he says this, he says that he will hide me in the shelter of a sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. This rock for us is the rock of Jesus Christ. A rock that higher above the day of trouble and affliction and destruction and devastation. Verse 6, then my head will be exalted, be lifted higher above the enemies who surround me. I'll be out of reach from that in which is pulling me down. And then it says, the last verse, at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And this is interesting. Verses 5 and 6, we see this. It mentions twice the sacred tent and the temple. And this is both a metaphor and a place. It's, it's a metaphor for the spiritual covering and protection of God in our life, but it's also a place in which David would go to to experience the presence of God. The sacred tent is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, where the the two tablets with the Ten Commandments where God gave to Moses on top of Mount Sinai and the Ark of the Covenant. And the belief is when, when I'm close in the sacred tent, in the temple, when I'm close to the Ark of the Covenant, when I'm in this place, then I will experience the presence of God. But as we read that just a few books later that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, that he, he came to sacrifice himself upon a cross, that now rather than us having access to God through a temple, we have access to God through a person. That Jesus, he tore down the temple. He removed the sacred tent where he is now the one in which we receive access to the Father. That the person of Jesus Christ is the very thing that we need to experience the presence of God. But in our minds, somehow we still, 2,000 years later, we think, I need to be near the Ark of the Covenant. I need to be this person. I need to have these things sorted in my life. I need to do this. I need to do that. But rather, I need Jesus. I need more of Jesus. I, I need to access the Father through Jesus Christ. I, I need to come into the dwelling place. On my heart, God, again, I gaze upon the beauty, not of the temple, the, but the beauty of Jesus Christ. He's the beautiful one. And he's given us his bride, the church. The we is the church. We're, this is not a temple place. It's the power suite. We are the beautiful people. We are the church. Together as we, together in the presence of Jesus, that is his dwelling place. As we leave here, we leave with the presence of Jesus within us, living and active when we go and to be the church. You see, the church is not a, pe- uh, not a building. It's a people who pursue, pursue after Jesus. And I want to encourage you, Let's just invite the worship team back up. I want to encourage you that even though you don't see it, what are you praying for? You may have begun out with confidence. I'm writing it down and believing it's my word for the year. It's my prayer for the year. Five years later, you're like, I used to pray that. I used to believe for that. 
even though I feel surrounded by threat of defeat, beaten and broken, I will be confident. Verse 4, David says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. The Apostle Paul, Philippians 3, verse 13, 14 says this, This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I believe in the power of prayer. What is the one thing that you're asking of the Lord? What is the one thing that you're pressing heavenward towards? Forgetting what is behind. I'm forgetting the days and the months and the years where I persistently prayed and still not seen it come to pass, but one thing I will strain toward. What's the one thing that dwells your heart that lays on your heart that is you can feel it right now you can think of it and maybe in the form of a person a need a child provision healing just a miracle it's the one thing that you're praying for why don't you just close your eyes with me for a moment it's the one thing that you seek the one thing that you're asking of the Lord today. I believe God is calling us to be a praying house, to be a praying people, to be a praying church, to believe in the power of prayer. And with that one thing, we'll focus on our one God, our one Lord, one Savior. Rather than just focusing on the provision, we focus on our provider. Rather than just focusing on what we need to be delivered from, we're focusing on the deliverer. Right now, as you bring that one thing to God, and again, you bring it as a request, as a need. Matthew 6, 33 Seek first the kingdom of God and all will be added unto you. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek and you will find. Scripture again and again. One thing I ask of the Lord. One thing I'm pressing heavenwards towards. God will give you the desires of your heart. According to his word. I just wonder in this moment and in this time. We focus on the one we're praying to. Why don't you just put out your hands before you? This is it. Posture of just God here. I'm bringing this to you. I'm bringing my life. I'm bringing myself, not just my problems. I'm bringing my heart, not just what I need you to give. I'm bringing you everything. I'm laying it at your feet. I'm laying it at the altar. I'm bringing it not to a sacred tent or a temple, but to a person, a person in the form of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to give yourself and give your heart and give your life and 
again, place your confidence in Jesus as your salvation, as your strength. And I just wonder as you just pray in your heart and in your mind these words with me and say, Jesus, I don't feel confident. I need your help. I need your hope to lean on. I need your salvation. I need your provision. Will you be the Lord of my life? Will you be my Savior? I choose today to believe in you and believe in the power of prayer. In Jesus' name.